Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Noelle Salazar, a local author who shares how there were signs of this career early in her life. Noelle has a new second historical novel she shares with us today, Angels of the Resistance, set in Holland in World War II. Noelle Salazar, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. No, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have an author join us, and particularly someone who's right here in our own neck of the woods. So congratulations on on what you've accomplished and having this a second novel, having just launched. Yes, um, I'm very excited. Yes. So this one, Angels of the Resistance, is, uh, as your first novel was, about the World War II uh, women flyers. The Flight Girls was your first one. Now you have this new one, Angels of the Resistance. But it, it's slightly different because we're talking about young young girls, really, teenagers during this time. And um, I know from reading some of the notes that this was based on true life experiences. So you read about this and that inspired you, true? Yeah, I actually have a lovely friend, um, Jamie Pacton, who's also an author, who sent me a, an article, gosh, about four years ago now, and the subject line said, write this book. <laughs> <laughs> I opened it up, and there was this article about the Overstegen sisters, Tris and Freddie, and this work they did as starting when they were 14 and 16 years old um, through World War II um, in the Netherlands. And I, you know, I read this little article, and I just decided I had to write that book. So here we are. And what was it about it? What was your feeling about the sisters? Was it uh, what they did or the timing or what was your connection? Well, I think when I write, I think historical fiction, when I'm writing it, there's so many, especially this in World War II, um, and I'm sure other authors find it when they write, you know, anything during war, I feel like um, <clears throat> probably authors have this feeling of would I would I have been able to do that job, what, what they did, you know, because it's these, these girls were 14 and 16 and I cannot imagine the, these jobs that they were going out on, like having the composure they had to have, um, the, the bravery, the moxie, um, and then imagining how that would have affected them. You know, I can't, they kept doing these jobs and they must've had to push um, all of that down, that's trauma. And I know something about trauma. So trying to like imagine that kind of trauma <clears throat> where you're putting your life at risk. Um, meanwhile, your friends are being taken away to concentration camps. People are, you're watching people die in the streets. Um, and then you yourself are committing murder it, for the good of your country. I mean, it's still murder. <laughs> and so mm. trying to just like internalize that. And um, I just found it such an interesting, um, I don't know, just thinking about it and trying to imagine it and putting myself in their shoes as best I can. I can't imagine the things that they did um, doing them. So um, I think it was just a lot of being impressed <laughs> in a way um, and inspired. And, um, and as a mother, I, I can't imagine like being okay with having my children going going off to do these jobs and you know the real life girls they had a mother and and she knew this was happening and um you know but I think 
when you're in war, you, you just do the thing you need to do to protect your people and, and your country. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just this combination of all these emotions and could I do it? And, you know, I'm trying to just kind of work through that as I'm writing it. And so, yeah, it was very interesting and very heartbreaking. And, um, yeah, I just I just needed to explore it within myself and on the page. And I must say, what an admirable work you've done in that exploration. Some of those Thank questions, you. oh, you, you're welcome. <laughs> the, those kinds of things occurred to me, too, and very similarly. Like, could I have done that sort of thing? I can't imagine. Maybe, you know, if if the times required it, we might, but it right. still is just almost beyond comprehension. It really is. And, you know, I, I would ask myself these questions and it would be like hard no. <laughs> but then I'm not in war. I don't have this happening around me. So, you know, you can't even answer the question unless you are in that position. And, you know, you want to think that you would do that admiral thing. But but, you know, unless you're in it, there's, you just have no way of knowing. It occurred to me, though, to think about while it's like a continent away, but thinking about the people in Ukraine and and yes. what they're going through and wondering exactly. about that sort of thing because their whole lives are totally t- turned upside down and upside down again. And yes. potentially in our lifetime, that is happening and, and, and probably in other countries, but we're just not as aware of that going on. Yeah, that's so true. And that was on my mind a lot. You know, we were going through last bit of edits and stuff when the war in Ukraine was starting to happen. It was just like, oh, well, this is timely. (laughs) And, you know, and it was just horrible watching the news and and reading all the news reports and and being able to kind of like see my girls in the Ukrainian people, you know, that were rising up to fight just like these girls had had done in real life. So, yeah. And that is something as we think about the uh, the past wars and thinking of just all that's gone on e- even in our history when we th- think about uh you know in the middle east and and all the destruction and we think we've perhaps made some progress as a as a human race but then again we see this happening and wondering scratching our heads like how can we keep doing this yeah it's so true it's so frustrating like aren't we haven't we learned <laughs> can't we stop now yes yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's disheartening. Yes. My mother lived through World War II, and uh, actually she came from Poland. And so, so, you know, was right there in the midst of everything happening. And when she would talk about it, it didn't seem real. But Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, I can really appreciate the reality of what went on. And, And I think she felt, too, like, we've done this. Let's say it's behind us. This never happens again. But, and maybe that's. Do you feel that perhaps, uh, Noelle, with writing about these sisters in the Netherlands, that maybe it makes us take to heart what happened and and make a commitment to it not happening again. I mean, I would like to think so. I would, you know, I feel like as a writer of these stories, and then the people that are reading these stories, which I'm a reader of these stories as well. You know, you. <laughs> You know, I read these stories and I think, how can we, how can we be repeating any of this? It's, it's mind blowing. You know, I feel like as a country, we learned so much back then, 
Um, but here we are like still having some of these moments of it's, it's just, it's baffling to me that we would be having some of these same questions and watching some of these same things play out. And I just, yeah, it's, it's hard to comprehend sometimes. Yes, I agree. And, and that's why I guess that the hope is in writing about it and bringing it forward as to what happened and teenage girls and young men shouldn't have to be uh, forfeiting kind of just a, a life of uh, of learning educationally and you know creating a better world, having to go through the kinds of things that these girls did. Yes, I mean that that is definitely my hope. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I have young children, and and just the thought of it is it's terrifying. Yes, and, and and as you share with us in Angels of the Resistance, how the mother is totally aware of what's going on. It it it's. I wasn't certain at first that she did, but it, you wrote that beautifully as to her her emotions and her character and what was going on in her life and and how it all played out. I I just marveled at how you did that. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> well, it, it, portraying her in such an a, a realistic way uh, and and being of course knowing she needed to involve her daughters because this was literally uh, well life and death but also the future it was about the future yeah that's so true yeah so, i think she you know i don't know of course what the mother of the real girls was like i i believe she was involved as well. I'm trying to remember my research, but <laughs> most of my research happened years ago now. Um, but, you know, I, I, as a mother, I try to imagine what her feelings would be. And of course, the first feeling is, no, you cannot do that. Mm. <laughs> um, but then this particular woman had already experienced so much loss and, and now she was watching her, her country um, be overtaken and and also, you know, she she knew who her husband had been and what he had fought for. And she has these friends that help. Um, and so she knows what they stand for. And so I like to think, you know, if I were to write her story one day, like that would be a very interesting um, story to explore, to figure out like who she was, that she could make these decisions and be not necessarily okay with her daughters doing the jobs that they were doing, but but understanding the importance of it on all of the many levels. So, yeah, if she was, I always just kind of had this little like piece in my heart for her, like just aching um, because, you know, daily she, you know, she was risking her life, but she's knowing that her, her girls were out there doing these incredibly dangerous jobs. And I, you know, I just can't imagine what it is to be a parent with your children, you know, in war. Uh, and I hope I never have to find out. Yes, that makes two of us and then probably <laughs> 20 million or more of us yeah. feeling that, that, yes, can we please learn this lesson and not have to uh, keep replicating it to, to what end? Yeah, exactly. So do you think, as a tangent here, uh, do you think that you might actually explore that idea of writing about the mother? 
I'm not sure. I think I'm, I was having a conversation a couple weeks ago about this. Um, you know, authors, we often get this question, like, if you were going to write a story about one of the side characters, who would it be? And I actually think I would write a story about Aunt Liv, mm. who is the older woman in the story who, you know, you know she's got a his, little bit of history. You get little hints of it. And I think I would love to explore, you know, where she got her start and what she was doing, because she definitely, like, dropped some hints about, like, she did some things. Um, so I think I would more want to explore her um, but I mean, that is definitely a story The you know, the mother's story, I think it would definitely be interesting as well. Um, cause I think she too has, she definitely has something in her past that makes her strong enough to withstand watching her daughters go out there and, and, uh, do sabotage and many other dangerous things. Exactly. Well, that will, will be interesting. And I suppose, um, the story will somehow be presented to you either from outside as with your friend on this particular book or just from within the the mother, the character is going to start appearing to you in dreams or something. Yeah, no, that's true. They do. They start talking to you <laughs> and you have to um, you kind of have to corral them. <laughs> like I'm not ready for you yet. Um, it is interesting how stories come to you, like whether from a lovely friend or they just pop in your head and you have to um, tell them it's not their time <laughs> until it's their time. <laughs> and I've, I have heard that kind of thing from other <laughs> authors. So you, so you fit right into that kind of a, a category. And and has that been happening a long time? Because that that is one part of you is that or one profession of you, uh, your professions uh, as storyteller. Yeah, Um I've definitely, I feel like most of my life had characters in my head. Um, sometimes that makes you question <laughs> what is happening um, with your brain. <laughs> but um, I didn't, and, you know, I used to write when I was younger, like in grade school and, and junior high and high school. And then I just sort of stopped um, in my 20s. I think my 20s were kind of messy. And so I didn't have... I had my own drama. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't didn't want to create extra drama. Um, but yeah, I, I just sort of always had characters, whether I knew what they were for or where they belonged. Um, it didn't matter. They were just kind of there. And now I've learned to identify them. And like, you go to this story and you go to that story. I'm not sure who you are, but you have some great things to say. Um, and uh, just writing and the countless notebooks we all seem to acquire, um, <clears throat> all these little bits and pieces um, of stories. And, and, you know, we have like book titles come to us and sentences between like dialogue will happen. And you're like, wow, we're, I don't know who these people are, but and what they're talking about, but it's beautiful. And you write that down. And I always tell people, that's always my one piece of advice for writers is, um, especially new writers, is to write absolutely everything down because you have no idea when you will use it. Um, <clears throat> in fact, there's a scene in Angels that um, happens later in the book um, that the seed of that that scene came to me about seven years ago. I It was just something that popped in my head, and I was like, I don't know what that was, but I'm going to write this down. And I just kept it in this file that I have on my laptop of, odds and ends. And um, when I was writing Angels, I just got to this part and I was like, oh my gosh, I get to pull this out, you know, and literally it has been sitting there for about seven years, just waiting for its moment. 
So being a writer is interesting. <laughs> I'll say that is really fascinating and and so organized to to keep all those notes and to know where to keep them filed. So you must have some really a, a good filing system with really good titles or categories. I mean, I don't know if the filing system is so good. I have like on my notes on my phone and they're kind of all over sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just funny the things that I will find in these notes. Like I will notice the way somebody walks and I will put words to it and then I will write it down. And then later in some story, I'll be like, oh, you know, it's this older gentleman and he would walk like that guy I saw that one time. <laughs> I'll go find that description and and throw it in there. And it's just this tiny detail that probably nobody will notice, but I do. And so it makes it, you know, special for me. But yeah, it's it's a weird collection of like, almost like, yeah, I kind of feel like I have a photographic memory for a lot of things. I feel a lot of my writing, I see, like I see it in my, like a movie in my brain. And so having those things where you notice how somebody walks or um, I mean, I love to take walks and, and just be in nature and because I notice all kinds of things about the light, um, the way the light comes through the trees or mm. the way it kind of, you know, splays across the pavement or, you know, or the way the mist is hanging, you know, in the branches or something. And, you know, I grab onto all of that and I compile it and you, it's fun to get to use it in all the different places. And I can see where that happens. I like to look, as I read something, I, I kind of savor the words and like to think about how did she or he come across <laughs> framing it quite like that? And so when you say that you're observing that as though you're watching it in a movie or seeing it play out in your head, uh, explains I so well, so yeah. much of that. Yeah. Yeah, because I literally saw it somewhere, you know, and, and I made a mental note or put it in one of my horrible filings <laughs> or, or what have you. And you say you've been doing this from a young age. Yeah. In fact, my first memory um, was when I was three. And the memory was simply, the memory is simply of me as a three-year-old um, being bored, which I always say I'm, I was never, I'm never bored because I'm always imagining um, so I don't mind long car rides. I don't mind, you know, sitting in a boring class because I'll just, my brain will just take off and do its own thing. But I can remember standing, um, my family was in Canada, like on a, like a weekend trip or something. And everybody was, I think we were trying to gather for a, a photograph or something in front of a, a statue. But my memory is of me standing there waiting for everybody to get it together and letting my imagination wander. And I was imagining... <laughs> train tracks and a little frog jumping over the train tracks. And that's my very first memory. And it's of creating, which is just bizarre to me, but also totally fitting. That's really fun and amazing to think back to that and to recall that and see how that fits into who you are and, and how your career has evolved. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of careers, it's so interesting to see that you've had a variety, and maybe that happened in your <laughs> 20s. But being a Navy recruiter, were you recruit. in the Navy yourself? So I, I was a Navy recruit. So I, I signed up to be in the Navy um, when I was 18. Um, I had graduated high school. I had no idea what I was doing with my life. I had some friends, of course, that went off to college and others that had gone and, you know, they were working jobs, and I was working a job as well. But it was like, what do I do? And, and I come from a family that 
nobody had really gone to college. So I didn't know what that, that looked like. I didn't know what that experience was. I didn't know how to get myself there. So it was very daunting to me. So I, I really didn't even consider it. And then I have a lot of relatives um, in my family that were in the military. And so I thought, well, that could be interesting. And maybe I could see a little bit of the world. And oh, if I want to go to college, like they will pay for it. So that's intriguing and enticing. And so I I signed up. But um, about three weeks in, I my knee had swollen up so large <laughs> that I couldn't get out of my pants and had to go to the doctor. And, um, and it turned out this old injury, I was a gymnast for years, had flared in the 100 plus heat while I'm marching on the pavement. Um, and it was a surgical fix that needed to be done. And since I hadn't actually gotten the injury while there, they weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up in medical hold for like another three weeks. And then they sent me home and it was very depleting mm. <laughs> to my soul because this is, it was this moment, you know, where they bring us in and you're in this kind of auditorium and they're showing this like slideshow and proud to be a, an American is playing and you're amped up. You are ready to like serve your country. And I was just, I was so ready for this. And then to be like, well, yeah, no, <laughs> this old injury, we're not going to fix it. You got to go. It was really hard but at the same time, I mean, the whole experience was amazing. Being there was amazing. Being around those women, which we were, there were so many of us, but they were, we were like 18, just all of us for the most part. And it was, it was insane. Um, and it just from every, every part of the country, um, I ended up with a Southern accent for quite a while because everybody, I swear, everybody was from the South. So then you just can't help it. You're just talking like them. But my favorite thing was, you know, we'd have to wake up before the sun came up and get ready. Um, you had to get up and get online and count off and then hurry and get in line in formation. And you had to march to chow. And my favorite part was you would see the sun would be coming up and you would hear all these different groups um, across the base singing cadence. Um, so you had to sing like left, right, left. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of had their different tune that they sang. And you would just hear it echoing across the base. And it was the most beautiful thing I had ever it would move me every morning and even when I was in medical hold and we were just the silliest bunch you ever saw because half the girls are on crutches <laughs> you know we're in medical hold for reasons um I was on crutches and so we're doing our thing in our cadence we're limping along which is <laughs> this goofy little group um that would change you know every few days or weeks just because you know someone would get better and they'd get to go back to their um, their group. But um, yeah, it was just a really interesting, special, special experience. But it was really hard to have to leave. Mm. And did you keep notes of the aspects of that that perhaps pop up or will pop up in novels? You know, I didn't keep notes, but it is so, I feel like, ingrained in my body. Uh-huh. Um, these moments that I had, um, and I think that came out in the flight girls a lot, um, the camaraderie I found among these women. Um, I know what it is to be in a barracks. You know, they only had, what, 12 girls, I think, to a room. Um, but we had like 50. <laughs> so <laughs> I know what it is to to be in that situation on a big, way bigger level um, and how you come, become close with people really fast. Because you were thrown together. Like me and my bunkmate were instant best friends. Um, 
And in fact, we just got in touch not that long ago, just randomly, <clears throat> which was just neat to like catch up on, you know, she'd, she got to be in the service for many, many years and she retired not that long ago, which was really cool to, to find out. But, um, I never, I never made notes, but it's just a part of my life, like being an NFL cheerleader that just kind of lives in me. And I feel like I can access it and the feelings I had surrounding those times really easily. Oh, that's wonderful. And you mentioned one of the other careers then was Mm -hmm. as an NFL cheerleader. And Mm -hmm. so how long did you do that? I did that for three years. And again, it's that same camaraderie, which I will say, I don't consider myself a snobby person, but I certainly went into that with judgment, (laughs) like, (laughs) oh, cheerleaders. You know, I had been a gymnast, oh gosh, since I was probably eight years old. And a friend of mine from high school was on the drill team, and she was the one that I knew that was an NFL cheerleader for the team we cheered for, which was the Seattle Seahawks. And she, so she had been on a year, and she then, you know, contacts me, and she's like, you should do this. And I, I was like, a cheerleader? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, shame on me, because these are women that were just like me that missed dancing and missed being able to do gymnastics and missed being part of a group like that loved doing these things, which was really kind of like being in boot camp where we had this camaraderie. Um, we were close so fast. And these women, again, came from all walks of life. They were lawyers. They were flight attendants. They were students. And I was just, you know, once I got there and met these girls, I really felt like, oh, shame on me. But they were just an amazing group of girls, and I'm still friends with so many of the women I cheered with. And it was, again, just a really special, particular part of my life that I I honor still because it, it's, you know, I feel like a lot of people have that feeling of, ew, cheerleaders, and you don't think much of them, but we're athletes. <laughs> we were yes. definitely athletes, and we were putting our bodies through so much. I, used, I mean, I had to tumble on cement, Ooh. which... My body is now, and for for many years now, has had to deal with that the shock and of all that. It's not good on your body. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I put myself through personally just because I loved it. I loved being out there. It was amazing. It was so much fun. Well, that's a wonderful insight for you to share with us so that we can check our own attitudes because uh, (laughs) I I think there probably are some that uh, really align with what you initially had thought. But I really appreciate the fuller story, which, of course, as a storyteller, you are in a prime position to share with us. So thank you for that, Noelle. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) So we are, though, here about your you know, longtime career now as storyteller and the latest book that's come out, which is Angels of the Resistance. And, you know, during this time of gift giving season, stories are just so wonderful to share and they're long lasting. And so to get the book, it's available, I think, through all of our favorite book sources, correct? It is, yes. And we can check out more on your website. Of course, please. And that is? com. Great. So we can learn more about you, about getting the book, about anything that might be coming up. And since you're keeping so many notes, is there a book ready to perhaps come out sometime in the next year? Yes, I actually have a book coming out next fall. 
And that I'm taking a departure from World War II. I'm writing 1920s Seattle jazz era speakeasies, all that fun stuff. The story kind of came to me uh, thanks to finding out my great, great, great grandmother's name was Zora Lilly, which I did not know. And I was like, Zora Lilly, she needs a story. <laughs> so I, and actually my, some of my ancestors, they came down from Canada and were part of the Seattle log boom. So that's all kind of woven in there in bits and pieces. And um, so I'm pretty excited about that one. And then the following fall, I will have another, I'm going back to World War II, and I have another story that I'm working on currently that I am really excited about, too. Okay, well, we'll have to then just be patient, but <laughs> <laughs> but we have at least this book, Angels of the Resistance, to keep us uh, intrigued right now. And, and as we said earlier in our conversation, it is an incredible story of youth, of bravery, of doing what needs to be done, and a mother having to, to support her kids living through this sort of thing. Just an incredible story. Thank you. I'm really proud of this one. It was hard to write, I will say. Um, I started writing it when we went into lockdown. <laughs> and so that was a whole that was a whole story unto itself, um, trying to get it written in the beginning, you know, with a child next to me now doing virtual school and yelling, Mom, you know, every few minutes. <laughs> and I had just come from the Netherlands. I had gone to see, you know, what Harlem, the town that these girls lived in in real life, what it was like. And um, I literally was in Harlem when we heard about COVID and it, the first case was like 30 minutes from my house. And I was like, mm, maybe I don't want to go home. Uh, but it was very interesting and such an informative trip getting to be in this space where these, the real women, you know, worked and, and lived and stuff. So yeah, I hope, you know, everybody can still get a sense of what Harlem was because I really, again, like took in those moments of what that town was and tried to relay it in the pages. Well, it really does feel so real. So my feeling is that you accomplished your goal, Noelle. So thank Excellent. you for that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank you, of course, for being with us this morning and giving us this insider's look. It's always fun to kind of get some of the, you know, insider story, which I think helps us to have the story come that much more alive for us. Yeah, no, I'm so thrilled to be on. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Noelle Salazar and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Monica Vermani. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of taking time for self, maybe some quiet reading time, and creating each day to be the best it can be. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.